2: Welcome to Leaving Hillsong. First timers and all the regulars. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name's Tanya and this is part two of The Closer I Get to God with Devan and Hubert who we left at the end of part one. He was pretty down and out and downtrodden and been chucked out of church and uh, found his way down to the uh, dens of iniquity as we discussed, so he found his way out. And uh, Draps and I, who had been running Pride Month last year, continue on with kind of talking about all different ways of recovering from some of those kinds of experiences and where Dee has ended up with them, what he thinks God is all about and being gay too and how those things coexist for him again there is a language warning he kind of you know what i mean he settles in here and he gets a little bit more uh, relaxed shall we say so cover the kids ears or whatever you want to do i'll put out a censored version of this very soon But this is such a broad and rich conversation from three different time zones we had drops in the uk and Dee is in louisiana i'm in sydney we managed to make it happen, so I hope you enjoy the questions and the more questions and the uh, variety of answers that came out of this. Grab your snacks, kick back, and enjoy the closer I get to God, part two with devan and Hubert
3: The business of trying to fill that void in very negative ways I didn't yeah. realize that a void hated and so. I should have gone and gotten me some psychological therapy and just found a gay affirming church. I didn't mm-hmm. know gay affirming churches existed. So I went to the one place that I knew I wouldn't be judged, which was the gay club. So I just hung out more in the streets because I was like, I reason, well, I know if I go to this gay bar, they're not going to kick me out. Yeah. So, but they will at church. So I'm going to go where I know I'm not going to be rejected. And the church is a place of rejection. And I was angry and I was bitter and it was just weird because I had been in church all my life. I had to be 20, 25, 26 when this happened and suddenly have all this free time on my hands. I didn't know what Sunday Funday was because I was in church every Sunday. Yes. And so now yeah. I'm like the gay bars are open on Sunday and I'm sounding so damn naive. I'm like, why are y'all open on Sundays? I had no idea. It was like a whole thing. So
2: wow. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so ironic, isn't it, that that like you're not supposed to go to these terrible places, but they're the places of acceptance when home doesn't accept you. I mean, where are you going to go? Just... Oh my
3: god! When I was homeless, it was easier for me to go and find the food at a like a drug trap house than it would have been for me to go to a church because you don't have paperwork and all of this red tape to go through, and it's not yeah. who you know all of this if I needed food from Lakewood I wouldn't know who to ask there you know it's just not that sort of churches just don't do practical yeah. shit yeah. like that a lot of times as I say the, the further I get away from church the closer I get to God
0: wow this is I mean and that's one of the, uh, the obviously there's bad things and good things but one of the really good things about the gay community is that there are opportunities to you know to open homes up to each other and things like that like in some of your stories, obviously, it has bad effects as well, but, you know, we long to have a LGBT community that can be a healthy place for everyone to come and, you know, yeah. spend time together. And
2: I mean, when I ran away, that's where I ran to. And that's who kind of mm-hmm. accepted me at face value and didn't, ex- didn't have like a list of, uh, you, uh, you know, a you permitted entry. Oh, mm-hmm. Based on these answers, it was just like, yeah. I mean, it's not just for LGBT. It's a, it's incredible. I got incredible acceptance when I ran out into the big bad world, and I will never forget it. It's beautiful. So, all right. So then you're in the uh, dens of inequity, and then, um, <laughs> then what happened?
3: Well, I start I started experimenting with drugs because of getting kicked out of Lakewood. So I I mean it's my choice what I did, but I know looking back that I accepted that ecstasy pill from that guy as an yeah. act of rebellion because mm-hmm. I had been mm-hmm. being off the drugs all my life. I was damn near thirty years old before I took my first drug. I mean, if I was going to be into them, I would have been into them by then. But when you are hurt and i carried that anger for years and i didn't it's only like maybe last year really i started to get over it now this happened when i was like 25 26 and like i said i'm about to be 40 so it's taken me the better part of 15 years to really come to terms and peace of what happened at Wakewood, and that's why i tell people don't get bitter that shit is not going to help you cuz i've done it mm-hmm. and so i took that drug from him and it just went from there it made me feel good and i didn't know that it was causing me to forget that pain that happened you know there and then so I started doing ecstasy like every night because it felt good and I didn't want to let that good feeling go so from the outside looking in people may judge a drug user being like well they just want to get high all the time well sometimes we're trying to escape worse pain
2: and I wonder as well, like how conditioned Christians are, especially when they're raised in it, to like go for big highs and then have big come downs. And it, it's kind of part of the church, like physical experience in Pentecostal churches. It's not too far away.
3: Oh, churches are very addictive very addictive you know there's no excuse for somebody like me having to been at church four or five damn nights a week you know there's there's such a thing as being over churched yeah you don't need damn church
2: but you're (laughs) seeking that euphoria again you're seeking that you know the connection and you know there's a lot of connection amongst drug takers as well and again you know how realistic those bonds are i don't you know we don't know but uh
3: It's no different in the church, though. So, yeah, so out on the streets in the homeless world and the drug dealing world, there is community and there is family. Some of it's trustworthy. Some of it's fake as hell, but it's no damn different. Because for all those years that I spent volunteering at Lakewood, when they dismissed me, not one motherfucker called me to see what happened, what was going on. Even on the streets, when you're homeless, if you don't show up for a few days, they come looking to be sure you're okay with the church people. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's something we've, you know, talked about a bit it's, uh the more people are in poverty, the more they'll share. And, you know, we wonder if the churches prey on that giving spirit as well when they uh, open up in kind of lower socioeconomic places.
3: Yeah, so being the businessman that I am, you know, I, I'm, I started selling the drugs and stuff like that. And it gave me a sense of control and power, which I had lost and I didn't realize I needed that it's just you know it's crazy we're you know we do stuff like that and we don't really know why we're doing what and why we're doing and so that's why i'm a big fan of that now and so well i do it you know i was a very flashy drug dealer so i ended up getting like raided by like the SWAT team with like the canine dogs and the helicopters and everything
2: okay it seems (laughs) like a natural a natural (laughs) regression to me because like preachers and drug dealers very charismatic people that are selling you know Something that you can't really have anything to show for, so uh, why not? Right. You would have been good at it, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we taught terrific customer service, and you know.
3: Yep, my customer yeah. service skills. Now, during this time, I didn't. I wasn't a spiritual at all. Mm. You know, i I just I just was angry the whole damn time. Mm. You know, I was doing all that, but I wasn't happy. I got HIV, and then that you know, and I got went into like this whole nervous breakdown thing because the doctor told the doctor who told me left a voicemail with my positive hiv results on like wow. 10 years e like the bastard he didn't even wait till like the second of january oh and bring God. me to the
2: office
3: on december 31st and left the voicemail saying you're hiv positive goodbye so,
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow
0: wow i mean wild.
2: wow nothing's changed okay <laughs> Happy New Year! All right, when was that? I'm sorry to hear.
3: I think that was 2011, and I was already reeling from everything that happened at Lakewood, and so I just like lost my shit, and then then I started getting arrested and everything like that, and and so now I have like four felonies. I'm banned from Bank of America for life for trying to cash a check there when I was homeless and stuff.
0: But, you know, look at where you are now, you know, you're you're helping other people and you've you've done all this training on yourself and, you know, you've learned things and, you know, it's It's incredible, really.
2: It's just funny, sorry, you know, half of Australia has been to court, so I'm just like, yeah, I mean, do you know what I mean, we're a giant prison here, so not a lot of judgment coming from down under i'll put it to you that way (laughs) we're just like terrified of american prisons because you know you steal a grape and it's three strikes and uh that's life so we're just like (gasps) you got out all right so how did that cycle end then and you wind up walking into a church and churches
3: i don't go to churches anymore i tried to and it just never felt right and the only reason i did go was because of my pastor evangelist nelson who was my Mm -hmm. spiritual leader and counselor in life and a very high clairvoyant woman, you know, I was her altar boy. It was a Pentecostal church, but still I was like her altar boy, her servant, uh, pastor's assistant, whatever you want to call it, when I was in grade school. And so I was just very bonded and close to her. So so, so since she led the church, I was there for her. When she died, there was no reason for me to, to, to stay. And so then I just I learned how to go through, like, the original languages of the Bible through different concordances and different texts and different things like that. And I learned how to interpret everything for myself. And I asked the Lord to just wipe my mind clean of whatever it is that I thought I knew about him, whatever it is I have ever heard anybody tell me about him. And I wanted to just start over brand new from ground zero because I knew that the voices in my head and the things that I thought were corrupt because they were coming from people with agendas. Okay. And so I started Mm -hmm. over. I just gave myself permission to do that. And so what I have now is a very personal relationship with God that is independent of churches, you know, that that approaches the Bible, you know, from my own interpretation of it, not anybody else's.
2: Yeah, we were talking a bit before, like what event ended the cycle and brought you or was there an event, sorry, like that, that ends that cycle of drugs and jail and. Oh,
3: okay my probation from the state of Texas to the state of Louisiana so I could come back home that brought me back into close connection with my evangelist uh nelson and it wasn't like it was just the mercy of God that I didn't get arrested again because it's not like I didn't keep doing the drugs and all of that, because it's very difficult to stop somebody from doing drugs and because, you know, the community, like what you mentioned earlier, is there. So when you're asking somebody to stop being homeless, to stop being a drug dealer, to stop doing drugs, you're asking them to give up their community. It's like asking anybody to leave your church, leave your job, you know, whether or not you think it's a good life or not, it doesn't matter. You know, there, there's love out there on those streets enough. And so it wasn't easy, you know, I had an apartment and everything like that, but I would still leave it and go walk down the street to talk to homeless people because I related with them better and It took years for my mind to be reconditioned and for me to believe that I was a part of whatever the fucking normal society is yeah. supposed to yeah. be. but I was on probation for like five, six years, you know, and so it took years, and it was just my evangelist was praying for me and interceding and keeping me spiritually you know from you' keeping me through her spiritual intervention from going back to jail but i did bad shit it was just like a gradual thing so i did less drugs over the years kind of like a harm reduction thing although i didn't know that that's what it was called yeah yep. and then eventually i got to a point where i was like okay i'm ready to like stop i took a trip to miami did way too much ecstasy and ended up with like the flu for like a month And I was like, okay, I didn't even inject anything and I'm this sick, so maybe it's time to stop. So that was the most cataclysmic thing. After that, I got like a sponsor in the Crystal Meth Anonymous program. So that that was when I really started to try and wrestle with it. The hypnotherapy is what keeps me off of drugs, though. I see a hypnotherapist once a month for that.
2: I Again, I just wonder, like, that balance between hypnotherapy, self-hypnosis, meditation, prayer, all of those kinds of things. I don't think there's answers necessarily to all that. It's just interesting, yeah. So, I mean, now you're drug-free and in a long-term relationship?
3: Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. um...
2: Yeah, I mean, you just got back from Pride in New Orleans on Saturday night. How was that?
3: it was intoxicating. You know, I'm not I'm not like the type of drug-free person that doesn't drink alcohol. I'm like, no,
2: mm-hmm. you
3: know, I'm gonna have my wines. So it was a turn up and it's always nice. I don't know if you've ever been to New Orleans, but just the spirit of that city in and of itself is very mm-hmm. liberating. Like you can be in the worst mood ever. And as soon as your foot steps foot on Bourbon Street, like just leave.
2: That's very cool. What kind of changes? I mean, if anything, did you see?
3: Bourbon Street is filthy. you know in the best way so in the french corridor which is where bourbon street is is terribly dirty like every morning the street sweepers these big machines have to come through there and clean it all out so you're gonna have like just beer and all kinds of piss and vomit and beads everywhere it sounds terrible but we keep going back for it anyway <laughs>
2: so, like we used to have the same with Mardi Gras. I mean it's it's become so commercialized, but you know, our Mardi Gras started, Sydney Gay and Lesbian Mardi Gras started after after the Stonewall protests and it started as like this protest march. there's always this
0: combination of like protest and celebration and like i feel like we've maybe lost that a little bit like lately like we can protest a lot we love to protest but it can be hard for people to get back into that celebration side as well i don't know maybe that's just me
2: what was it like in the uk in the last month i mean anything exciting
0: I mean, we have, there's loads of Pride marches, but again, a lot of Pride in the UK has become very commercialized. So a lot of the more independent ones, like there's like Fat Pride and there's like Black Pride. And then there's sort of like, sort of side Prides to like the kind of like the more LGBT Pride. Well, right. They tend to be more like freeing spaces and they tend to have like a lot more celebration at them and be a lot safer places for people. And they're not just, you know, like sometimes the UK Pride can just be like, oh, we've got Ariana Grande on stage. And it's just like, okay, so... That's, you know that's not really a, a celebration of our our world really
1: mm. um
0: i wouldn't want to criticize them like you know people love pride in the uk as well like and it's just good to see people you know that high visibility like you know we have that high visibility of our lives and that's great for the next generation to just see because they they don't even need to worry about that stuff now
2: yeah i think the protest and the pride and the celebration used to be all one big thing so people were arrested in sydney at the first you know protest and then it became like a march and it was all very stompy up the street really really changed
3: what i what i do love that i see i'm seeing a lot of like straight like heterosexual say like bars and restaurants now Mm -hmm. do like shows and stuff like that Mm -hmm. happening all over the world but i appreciate the way the straight community is standing in solidarity with us in the in the ways that they can Mm -hmm. what these straight establishments are saying to their patrons is like we're embracing the 2S LGBTQIA community and we hope you will too. If you won't, well then you can get out.
0: Mhm.
2: And what's what's 2S? You just threw a 2S in front and most of us most of us haven't heard the 2S. Can you give us a quick
3: 2S has to do with two. It it means two spirit. This is getting into like the indigenous side of things and mm-hmm. as I understand it if you are not like a like an indigenous you know born person, then you cannot be two s but it has to do uh, as far as I understand it with kind of like um you know would if somebody doesn't feel like they're just like one thing, you know
2: okay, and,
3: and I did an interview with a girl from like the Edmonton two Spirit society, which is in Canada, and then she really gave a good breakdown of what two s means or all in okay. this whole like the whole indigenous history and the colonization and the crazy shit white people have done. <laughs>
2: And, and, I mean, that's on a pod we could find of yours? Yeah,
3: Yeah, I did a show with her already.
2: Okay, cool. I'll chuck that in the link. We've talked about this before, but, you know, drops and I couldn't be be any whiter if we tried. We are people without any colour. As a black man, tell us what the hell I've, you know, what the hell I've missed, we've missed. What do you see? We were talking about privilege and look i mean Dee, we we talked about this at the start of the month i was asking you to have a, a listen to the pods and say what you think you know it, it's definitely been here at leaving hill as all of us are very very white and see that through that particular lens and just don't have the insight to what you know it goes on for lgbt people in that are in the black community or how that intersects and i mean as sarah was saying there is a certain privilege to men coming out or at least speaking out uh because the church listens to and and has men speak for it as the general rule and i'm just wondering you know at the end of kind of pride month here like as a as a black gay man what do you see what am i missing what messages do we need to hear from the community, but also from the the, the Christian community? I mean, I...
3: so, I mean, Sarah has a point with that. And what she was talking about are the longstanding traditions and history, you know, of the Middle East. You know, culturally speaking, women are not on equal footing, you know, with men. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing. That's just how the fuck they are. That's just what they're, how they are. And what she's saying is, that's been ingrained in the into the church well yeah they do you know they, you know women are not like treated equally in churches either because they're trying to pattern themselves after middle eastern customs so so in terms of whether or not you know the you know black people you know are, are gay people and black people are being heard and things like that i really think it depends on exactly what church you are at you know because every church is really really Different. Yeah. You would think that because all of these churches are reading from the same Bible, that there would be some common thread, but churches are divided. They all believe okay. differently. Look at how many different interpretations of the Bible we have, thing. Look at how many different denominations, even within Christianity, look at how many different divisions you have. So, we're to say we're all supposed to be following the same God, we can totally not get on the same page about how to do that. So, if you're a woman, I would maybe go find a church that's run by a woman you know
2: Ooh, more taboo okay
3: probably would be in a better position if you whatever you feel like you're not getting at church then it's, if you feel like you want to be a part of a church and go fucking find it somewhere else never ever ever go to a church that doesn't celebrate non-straight people if you're not straight and then our straight allies mm. i don't think really be our ally if you support churches that are against us
2: yeah I just wonder where that line is between seeker sensitive and scratching itchy ears or whatever that verse was and stuff. But I'm no theologian.
3: Well, it depends on what the itching ears are. You know, some people hold to the belief, and I think it was Barry Bowen who was saying this, you know, preachers tell people what they want to hear. You know, he's talking about the fluffy, flowery messages. Yep, yep. That are Really very deep. Uh, what you're talking about is people having itching ears going where they're just going to hear what they what's going to make them comfortable and they're not going to be challenged. And so what I'm saying is going somewhere where you're not going to feel like you're being criticized and judged for being who you are. If you're not straight, then don't go to a church where they think anything less of you at all. But having said that, you're not, so one experience is not going to be the same at each church. And what I I don't want people to do is to generalize it. I I don't see how that is a good mindset to get into because as terrible as Lakewood Church was to me, that doesn't mean that every non-denominational church out there is like that.
2: Always reminded of what women experience in churches being so different to the to the male experience. And
3: this is why I'm a big proponent of people studying history. for themselves you shouldn't be going to a church relying on the guy on stage to know more than you he doesn't you can read the same shit he can you like i said earlier you the bible is from the middle east you have cultures in there that are middle eastern they're they're not american they're not australian so if you're a woman and you're going to a church and you're seeing women have to sit here be marginalized that are not allowed you you really can't be surprised when you think about it because because that is the culture that you're stepping into you you know, you are. a lot of the people act like the Bible came from their own country or whatever. It didn't. And, you know, you are part of a Middle Eastern traditions, you know, when you yeah. go to the church. And that's how they treat women over there.
0: You know, and the Middle Eastern traditions are updating in the same way that Christian traditions are updating, you know, and, you know, you see different, you know, inclusions of women in different Muslim societies and so on now to what you would have done before. And mm-hmm. sometimes I think the Christian church is, still go back to like you know the ancient times and think that's how things should be because that's how they were whereas i think you know the you know all of society and all of these traditions are always changing and always updating and always like finding new ways to be more inclusive and to to kind of draw everybody in to to celebrate you know to celebrate what makes us human and also what connects us with each other and what connects us with god in the instance of you know church and religion
3: and they do so selectively matt like you know they totally cherry pick you know which is what sarah was yep. saying i totally agree with her mm-hmm. on that they totally cherry pick what works for them and what doesn't it is literally impossible to act like we're all in the middle east two thousand years ago we wouldn't be mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. Shit. Mm-hmm. we couldn't go anywhere if you're going to follow all the rules so so if you if you can't if you're not going to do every damn thing that was done back then I'm- then you do agree of picking the few things that you want to do and by that logic there should be no women preachers or co-pastors or nothing like that because women didn't speak you know back then there's no you know there are no women apostles or nothing like that you know if I applied the church's logic so you know the way that I was hearing Joel Osteen say in an interview he was like there's no examples of gay marriage so I won't marry people well there's also no examples of women running churches you know so it's just it's just what whatever, you just, they just do whatever the fuck they want to do <laughs> yeah
0: they definitely do <laughs> I mean, if I had a dollar for every time a church that does not welcome gay people encourages people to go work on Sundays or runs a coffee shop or runs the store on Sundays, yeah, like, yeah, honestly, I can't even. I'd be a millionaire. <laughs>
2: You've kind of removed the church's narrative from your own Christianity. Am I heading in the right direction, Dave?
3: The perfect way to say it
2: beautiful all right and how do people kind of do that for themselves I mean how do you know what's what I mean it was just interesting listening to you talk about choosing churches like almost like it's a food court like it's so difficult for people to up and move and relate and trust and start again and invest or there's a lot there but it's it's a terrific attitude people have to invest in a place where they feel it's absolutely right not because for any other reason or they get told or yeah, how do people kind of have that individuality for them for themselves? How do you kind of nurture well, that?
3: I, it's a good thing that knowledge is now at our fingertips. You know, I grew up in a time where you couldn't just Google, you know, different perspectives on scriptures. You had to get have like a thick concordance book, which I have, and only the pastors had those then. Mm-hmm. So if you find out the way something was said in Greek or in Hebrew or Aramaic, you had to wait for the guy on stage to tell you, Or you can ask Siri. You know, now, if you if you really want to know. So how does someone become an independent Christian apart from the church? Mm-hmm. The first thing to do is to evaluate yourself and find out why you feel like you need church in the first place. So it's like you were raised that way. Someone else told you that, probably. And then why, what do you fear would happen if you would leave? Do you think you're going to burn up and go to hell? Do you think, you know, I'm getting back to motives now. Why are you doing what you're doing in the first place okay and so who is god to you are you really going to church for god or are you going for the baked apple pie on sundays you know you know we you really got to get demoted so if you decide you want to get on that path then you start alone your private time with god should be the most important time with you anyway okay. and then these churches make it seem like we're going to do this worship and you i feel so close to god during worship you should feel closer to him when you're by yourself you know because when the lord appears to people usually for me personally and then when you read the hebrew text they're not usually in the middle of a congregation you know a lot of times they're out in fields and shit you know and by themselves
2: yeah Yeah. it's always a tuesday afternoon when you least expect it as i say but i I mean i'm just wondering because we relied for so long on these institutions to kind of decide who and what and where god was stepping away from that how do you know how to decide i mean hypnosis meditation the voice of god how to how do people you, i mean i know it's so incredibly personal and subjective it's just such an interesting take and i think
3: that it's beautiful because it is so personal and subjective cuz not everybody no no two people are going to have the exact same relationship yeah of course and so and so i love that about it which is i'm i'm actually going to write like kind of like a one page outline free course thing that i'm going to put on my website is going to be like okay, okay. If you're considering an alone walk with God, here are these scriptures to start with. Uh, so we're going to do some praying, maybe some fasting, maybe some meditation. Here's where this comes from historically. Here's how it applies today. But even with that, and I'm not going to go further than a page on it because I don't want people to, to feel like they're relying on me to tell them. I'm trying to guide you. Oh, yeah. your personal sure. God so that you know, okay. Okay, so for me, every morning that I wake up, I either pray or read a scripture or something like that. I might fast a few days a week if I'm trying to, to do a specific thing. If I get confused about a text, then I'll go look up what it means in Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic or something like that and study it. It's, it's like dating God, whatever it is that you do. If you want to sing him a song in private, you know, read a book on spirituality, you know, whatever the case may be, this is how you begin to get to know God at some point, he's going to come and meet you because you're reaching for him. So he's going to reach back, and then he's going to reveal himself to you in a way that you know it's you. You know, it's a two way thing here. You know, he, we're reaching for him, but he's going to reach for us, and then the the relationship is going to evolve into whatever it is that God wants it to be with each individual person. And that that is something that I cannot tell you what it's going to be. Yeah,
0: it's
2: it's quite a postmodern perspective as well. It's like everyone, of course, going to have their own everyone's going to have their own bias and your story is quite a story of hope isn't it I mean redemption and kind of hanging on in there for a better tomorrow really isn't it I mean you've overcome so much
3: I think so I'm very glad that I got kicked out of church because it's the best thing that ever happened to me I had made a god out of church out of going to church and out of preachers and worship leaders and I didn't realize that I had I wasn't spiritually mature just because I was doing all that volunteering and stuff I wasn't because if I was spiritually mature when they kicked me out I wouldn't have let that put a division between me and God
2: kind of kept you at that milk level yeah Because
3: see when you're in churches they're going to keep you at a certain level under your foot they're not really trying to grow you because church is like a school and like any school you should graduate at some point you Mm. should not could be going back to them but if they do that then they're not going to have their cash flow and their agenda is going to be all fucked up and so those churches are not interested in growing you so like so I started writing music intensely when I was a part of the worship experience at Lakewood and so God gives me music in my dreams and then I write them out and so I went to the choir pastor when I had that first song that first full song come to me because I didn't know the music industry is a whole other beast to try to navigate so I'm like what do I do with this I wasn't asking him to put me on the next Lakewood album or anything like that. I just needed some direction. Okay, this is where you can go to get it copyrighted. This is how you get sheet music. You know, something. You know, he never really replied to me. He would he wouldn't get back to me. So so it's okay to sing behind Cindy Cruz, Ratcliffe, or Dar- and Darlene Darling. Check whoever they have on stage you know, we can do that. We can support you. But if some one of the little lowly choir members comes with a song, then you can't do anything with that. You don't want to hear any of this. (laughs) You know,
2: what happened to the song? What happened to your music?
3: I called my evangelist Nelson to ask her and she just said, just to just to hold them because the thing about God, if he's going to give you something, that's one thing, then when he's ready, he will tell you what to do with it we have a tendency to go running off wanting to do too much too quick and that's how I can be and so she just basically told me to chill calm (laughs) and you know and wait and so I've just been recording this the songs for years I have all kinds of music just saved up for when that day comes but my but my point is that those churches get out there and they're like we're here to support you we want everyone to grow as long as you're not gonna fuck up their agenda
2: yes (laughs) yes That's such a good point because then, as each of us do go out into the world for one reason or another, and if it's sudden, the coping skills are just not there, the, the life skills are just not there. I'm used to being told what to do, and
3: I get it. So, it's like being in the military, how I was, and having everything so orchestrated, yeah. getting out. It's a hard transition, but it's a necessary transition. You know, nobody's saying it's going to be easy. The question to ask yourself is, why are you so damn dependent on the church? They've got you. You know, if it's that hard for you to follow God for yourself, I mean, that's not a position you want to be in. They have you entrapped. Like, literally, you don't feel free to follow God without them.
2: Mm. That's insane. Yeah. Spiritual entrapment, right?
3: That's a fucking prison. Like, they don't want to let you go.
2: You know, we've talked before about leaving strategies and I was so interested how Sarah said she, you know, she found stuff out. She said, I didn't like it. So I was out of there. And yet other people, you know, go through lengthy, lengthy processes. And it's so different. And looking at that kind of addiction side, it sheds a lot of light. Hey,
3: it's not easy. But if it were me, I would. So you're switching communities. So like in in hypnotherapy, you always want to replace something, you know, so if you're going to take one thing away add something to it so but you have to you have to in order to do that you have to be clear on what you were getting out of the church experience in the first place that not everybody is going there for the same reasons you know like i said are you going for barbara's baked apple pie on sundays are you going for the music are you going for you know why okay so once you know that and a lot of people don't even know that they're just so like oh my god it's cool i just want to go you have to know what you're getting out of it before you go, before you can know how to find it somewhere else or create it somewhere else. So I was getting a godly instruction. So I like the learning aspect of it. I can write my own music. I don't need them for the worship. So what I had to do was learn how to get instructed by myself. And so once I found how to do that through books, through the internet, then I no longer needed the church.
0: Aha.
2: Uh-huh. This ties in with what you were saying to me about everyone can be their own pastor.
3: Yeah. And that's why I don't want a congregation and I don't, and I don't want that because I don't want people to become dependent on me. Mm -hmm. And I'm writing a book called Don't Call Me a Christian. And it's going to talk about, you know, all the, you know, ways to be independent and how to follow God by yourself and why we don't really just need the church and stuff like that. Because it is complex. So my way of helping people do it is like my blogs and my writings and my shows. You know, I'm trying to teach people through this. And show them how to be independent followers of the Lord. I don't like to call myself a Christian because the word is just too like evil these days.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Very loaded.
3: And there are people who want to fight for the term Christian, but from the beginning, we did we never needed that. Jesus wasn't even a Christian.
2: Right. I mean, I watched these Hillsong pastors and it really is all about this word church. It's, you know, building the church, praying for the church, elevating the church. So the church can do God's work, but it seems to be that's all secondary to church, church, church. And it's it's very deliberate language and can say a lot more why now.
3: That, that's one of the things I don't like about these pre-written sermons that a lot of churches do. Like the preachers who raised me, they never did that. They just simply got up, read a yeah. few
1: scriptures
3: and then preached for three hours. Yeah. These people didn't even preach for 20, 30 minutes without it being like written in advance and reviewed. So what that does is create an opportunity for them to put in keywords that they know are going to hypnotize people and stuff like that. You know, you can tailor the word language exactly how you want it to be to mindfuck people when you have that much time to practice it and rehearse it.
2: <laughs> I mean, again, you seek some kind of level of deliberate, you know, they're doing deliberate hypnotic things to people.
3: And I'm just cognizant of the subconscious influence of everything, you know, say like in marketing, repeat marketing, they show you the mm. same personal mm. Back, it may seem like a waste. Okay, you just saw the commercial, but if they keep hitting you with that same commercial, it's going to make an imprint on you, whether you wanted to or not. Because everything that we come across in life influences us in some type of way. And so, in a conversation, if you raise your voice tone, certain pitches and stuff like that, it has a different effect on somebody. And so, if I say hey, that's different if I say hey versus hey, you know, yeah, but if somebody yeah that right you can totally you know get get the best of somebody and they won't even realize you're doing it
2: we all know that how to influence people hey in different ways to persuade them to do what you want. I guess but we it, just don't all do it from the you know claiming the direction of God and that's the big difference
3: anybody <laughs> can claim God I think Vladimir Putin even said this war he's raging against Ukraine is in the name of God well, anybody can run out and say what they want but these churches have their own agenda. Like you're saying, like, it's really all about the church and the the family that runs the church. The last time that I was at Lakewood, I went there, you know, filming a part of my docuseries. That's the only reason I went there, not, not for any reason, but to snoop and get, just to get the, you know. And so I walk in there, and they have pictures of, like, the Osteen family, Joel, Victoria, and their two children plastered all over the walls on the inside. And I was like, okay, so they're basically reminding everyone of whose house this really is. You could have put pictures of, I don't know, God across, you know, the people, the congreg- you know, You but you want to put, put pictures, pictures of people who are already on TV all the damn time uh, yeah. anyway. I'm like, now they're going to stand up there and be like, this is the Lakewood legacy and we love you because you made it that, but I'm all like, no, what I see is the reinforcement of, you know, this is how a crime boss would do shit. I want you to know who's in charge
0: here and it's us and it's not you. <laughs> so,
2: thousand percent. <laughs> A thousand
0: percent. I feel like that comes up a lot in the Leaving Hill Song podcasts.
2: Oh, Crime families and
0: again. all of the money and all of the power—it just seems to be a recurring theme.
2: <laughs> Funny
0: that. You know, the thing about Pride month and thing about the the sort of the LGBT the the LGBTQI story is that you have to find those things that give you joy in life and go after them and know that that is you know is is who you are and what you are and you know and that's true whether you're inside that community or not inside that community you can find the things in your life that are so important to you and make you who you are you know that, that's what I take from pride month
2: beautiful um, I appreciate
3: pride month for what it is I love the the way that health and stuff is really brought up a lot during pride month but I really wish that people would be this prideful and this health conscious all the time. Yeah, You know, year round. And, it's, and for as, in, as intense as the battles are that are waging against us, I hope that people can take the spirit of pride with them forever.
0: And I feel like inside the kind of the gay community, it's really important to look out for, you know, the other people within the the rainbow umbrella who maybe aren't, you know, always um, at the forefront of people's yeah. minds and so on and even in you know the gay community how many times have I heard gay men making jokes about lesbians and so on like even on that level like there's things we can do to just elevate and lift up the people who are mm-hmm. who are around mm-hmm. us and you know and we have to support one another and us and and supporting women with everything going on in America um, like it's the only way we're going to get forward is if we all like link arms and just keep just try and keep moving towards the world that we want it to look like not just like the world that just like a small branch of extremist christians want the world to look like
2: yeah that's it that's a beautiful like is that is that day is that what the spirit of pride is i mean because we're cautioned of course, against pride in christianity so what's the spirit of pride mean for you
3: um upset chaos destruction rebellion these are things I mean in a positive way because I like me a good shakeup. Okay. <laughs> Pride is us fighting back. is us, us not letting ourselves be relegated to what other people want us to do. And the Christian church is used to controlling people, controlling the narrative, controlling everything. But the, the, the whole point of my whole ministry is to remind people that, again, everyone has an opinion and the church's opinion is just an opinion. It doesn't actually mean anything. And, and the church wouldn't have any power without the people, the congregates, giving them their power. No kingdom is anything without subjects. And so they have their subjects, but you don't have to be a part of that. It's unfortunate that religion and politics are like one now, and the church is not saying anything mm-hmm. that ever everyone. Mm-hmm. That's strategically advantageous for them to have political backing. But pride is us to still, to clap back at that and to still tell pastors and politicians to go and fuck themselves.
2: And that's a beautiful note to end on. Um, (laughs) Gentlemen, thank you so much. Draps, thank you so much for June. I appreciate it. We're all going to talk together soon, yeah, in various ways. Dee, thanks so much for your evening and your perspective. Boom, wow, yeah, thunderstorm. We'll talk soon, yeah?
0: Okay, all right. Talk soon. Love you all. Bye-bye.
2: Good night, good night.
0: Thank you
3: so very much.
2: No, thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you for sticking around and being a part of that uh, really interesting conversation between three very different people who have had three very similar experiences in lots of ways and isn't that what pride is all about something heartwarming like that so thank you so much for your support and for tuning in and being a part of this community you are so so appreciated don't forget to like and subscribe and share and if you're having any problems accessing this pod since the big old move of platforms please let me know we'll see what we can do everything should be running smoothly but you know just lots more content coming up as soon as i can figure out all the technicalities Won't be long though, and I'm really excited about that because there's some really special stuff coming up. No, I won't hint just yet. We'll hang around and see. If you feel like supporting us here, us, I mean me and the cats, drop on by the Patreon please or the PayPal for Leaving Hillsong. You can support us there. Do send in your questions, your feedback, your messages, your reactions it's also so important to contribute to what's going on here you can find Evan at the sex drugs and jesus podcast and website he's got a docu series he's got all kind of content and merchandise and like just it's a beautiful website go check him out he's a great great supporter of this show and i'd love for you to drop by and say hi to him there at his thanks for your time your support Your likes, your subscribes. Stay tuned on social media. Keep up to date. Keep on being kind to yourself. Keep on being kind to people just in spite of them. And keep leaving Hillsong. We'll talk soon. Bye.